Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Our teaching tonight is going to go from the book of 2 Kings, the 23rd chapter, specifically from the 15th verse. 2 Kings, the 23rd chapter specifically from the 15th verse. The Bible says, Moreover, the altar that was at Bethel, the high place, made by Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin, that altar with a high place, Josiah tore down and broke in two pieces its stones, beating them to the dust and burned their Asherah, that is the gods, and as Josiah turned, he saw the tombs across on the mount, and he sent and brought the bones out of the tombs, and burned them upon the altar, and defiled it, in fulfillment of the word of the Lord which the man of God prophesied, who predicted, I'm reading the Amplified, that these things about this altar, naming Josiah before he was born. Then Josiah said, what is that monument that I see? And the men of the city told him, it is the tomb of the man of God who came from Judah and foretold these things that you have done against the altar of Bethel. And he said, let him alone. Let no man move his bones. So they left his bones alone with the bones of the prophet that came out of Samaria. When you continue to read other parts, you continue to see the other things that Josiah did. Now, those of us who have not read the story of Josiah as a king, he's one of those few kings that walked with God through. Josiah had a relationship with God that was solid and he carried that relationship and service toward his God to the end. He was the man, one of those kings that did not mess themselves up. Now, in one of those occasions, we're given a story where he attacks Bethel, the altar, and breaks every ungodly altars that Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, had built. He broke everything, every high place, every demonic thing that was built. He took siege of them and destroyed every demonic work and artifact. And then he got the tombs of those which had died, and in that time some of these tombs were used as places of worship because they were connected to people which had died and these people were deeply demonic worshippers. And then he burns these tombs. And so in that same place, there was a sepulcher. There was a tomb of a certain man, as the Bible says, that this man came from Judah and one time came and prophesied that one day a certain man will be raised by the Lord and the Lord will use that man 
to break the altars of Bethel. All the demonic works of that time shall be broken. God is going to raise a certain person one day. And that man after that prophecy, I believe, continued living among those people and then he died. And so one day, this Josiah king, after destroying all the demonic works and the people and the things connected with that like we have read, he sees a monument and then he asks, I see a tomb, I see a sepulcher. Whose is that? And they say, that tomb is for the man of God who came from Judah and fought all these things that you have just done against the altar of Bethel. So because of that, Josiah left that tomb, he left it forever as a reminder to his God of the fulfillment of the words that were spoken concerning his place in that time before he was born. I want to talk about something very unique about our destinies. I've already said this many times that the spirit realm is not an accident. The works of God are known from the beginning, isn't it? The Bible says known from the beginning are the works of God. From the beginning of the world, Jesus was not a surprise attack. The Bible calls him the Lamb of God which was slain from the beginning of the earth. Isaiah saw it even before it took place. He was wounded for our transgression, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes were healed. We see a prophet foretelling the coming of Jesus, the death and resurrection and his eternal ministry towards mankind before he was formed. The Bible says in Hebrews, if we will open there the 10th chapter, the 7th verse, it says, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do thy will. The master is telling us that something was already written of him, spoken of him to do the will of the father. You, who is watching or listening today, might have lived a life of many unpredictable circumstances in your family, in your career, in your health, in your marriage. Life can be sometimes very unpredictable and can stretch us beyond the power to explain or at least appreciate the work of God in our lives. All of us have had a journey individually. We have all had a journey where we've asked God questions concerning his purpose or his will of our lives. All of us at one point, we said, what's your will for me? What's your purpose for me? God has designed destiny on two foundations. The first foundation is prophetic word that can be or is spoken over a person. But the other foundation is the revelation of the liberties that we have in Christ Jesus. That second one is a harder one to interpret because it takes a, a greater maturity and wisdom in God to connect to it. And I'll touch it a little bit later. I'll touch a little of that. 
But mostly today, I came to help us understand how to connect to divine purpose and align it to God's mind concerning our destinies. Jesus was written of before he came. Jesus was spoken of before he came. I read as a story of a man who a prophet came from Judea once and saw one Josiah and what he was going to do to the altars of Jeroboam in Bethel. And many years evolved. And perhaps some remember, some don't remember. But one day, a man is driven by a certain desire, a certain zeal, a certain urge to do what is right before God. And then he destroys all these things only to realize that somebody had spoken over his life that one day he would do this. Few believers understand or can connect to what was spoken of them before they were born. Very few in the world. And when it comes to the new creation, all of us exclusively or inclusively can connect to something that was spoken of us before we were formed in our mother's wombs. And you will find that this will serve a very deep purpose in aligning us to the course of destiny that God has ordained for us. However, it is not a guarantee that because it was spoken of a man, therefore it's automatic that they would do it because our God deals with our will. You have the choice to obey God or not to obey God. It's not in stone that because God raised Moses to take the children of Israel into the promised land, it does not mean that because God said it over Moses, therefore Moses did lead the children of Israel into the promised land. There are things that we individually can do or certain people, certain events would bring in our lives to frustrate our course. It's possible not to fulfill what was spoken of you, what was written of you, what was planned of you. Of course, God has plans for us to make us prosper, not to harm us, to give us a future hope and an expected end. What was written of you? What was spoken of you? Some of us have accounts of things that were spoken before were born. I am probably among the few people who are lucky enough to have connected to something that was spoken over my life. And by God's grace, my mom told me some of these things before I was born. But there are people who maybe have not connected yet, or maybe nothing was spoken of you, which is still okay. But in the new birth, there is that which is spoken of you. You just do not know how to connect to it and align it to the will and purposes of God. Let me explain this. God can call or raise a man to do something. And a man has a choice to obey, to do that thing or not do it. That's called assignment, a mandate. A man has a choice to obey mandate or not to obey it. And if that man chose to say, you know, I'm not going to obey this mandate, I'm not going to take it. The purposes of God are not going to be stopped because that man refused to obey God. What God will do, in the other part I was telling us of the foundations, he will raise a liberty 
for a man who is able to build enough strength to take that responsibility or is aligned enough to connect to the need and desire of heaven and he will give another man that assignment. A story is given of a very interesting man of God who lived in a certain area and the Lord appeared to him once and told him that I want to use you to build a church in this area. Not only did the Lord tell him, but he took him to a place and told him this is where that church will what? Will stand. The Lord appears to him in a vision and then help designs the whole church building on how it should look like. Whole church building on how it should look like. And there was a lot going on in the life of this individual, this man, as he narrates the story. And then he, for some reason, felt that the call of God was so heavy for him. He was not ready to take on what God had called him to do. And so in his words, he says, I left that city and went to another city to flee away from God, the Jonah kind of thing. And he says about 15 years or so, one day he's driving through that city and he gets the nudge in his heart to go by and see what happened to the place the Lord had showed him. And the man says he found a church built exactly like God had showed him in vision, pastored by another man. He was so stricken and shocked and he parked by that roadside and entered the church, sat in the back and wept and wept and wept and wept to the end of the service. It was, I think, a Sunday or something. And so he says a minister of that church comes and walks to him and says, I saw you weeping through and through. Why were you weeping? Man said, you were standing where the Lord told me to stand a few years ago. You see, you are standing where the Lord told me to stand a few years ago. There are people in this world who have lost their assignments. They are gifted. They have stayed gifted. They've stayed, you know, graced in some things and some abilities. But they've lost their assignments. And I have seen God shift assignments and take them from one hand and put them into another and leave some people with their own gifts. You see, you can never have a full satisfaction of life until you fulfill a God-given assignment over your life. But if it's not enough, God has created a liberty. If you are available, see, I have shared this also, that not every eunuch is born a eunuch. Some make themselves eunuch for the sake of the kingdom. Some people separate themselves and say, in this world, you never gave me enough, but I can apply myself through diligence and prudence and seek you like I have never done. And God can see that man's heart and give him something that belonged to another man. Not everything you have been given, you are automatically going to fulfill. Although God expects you to fulfill it if it has been given you. Somebody shout hallelujah. It is a hard thing to explain to somebody who is still seeking and serving God when they have lost the assignment of God over their lives because they would seem to do everything right, but they will never see the power and hand and provisions of heaven like they should because perhaps they missed something. They missed a certain mandate with God.
So somebody would say, but what if I missed my assignment? What am I to do? Again, go back to the foundation of the liberties of the spirit and understand that there is always provision for men who are available. I've already told you there's a place for men who are available. For as long as the earth remaineth, the harvest will always be plenteous. The laborers will always be few. There will always be a man or a woman who will ignore their mandate. In fact, more people ignore their mandate and assignment than many respond to it. Without assignments, you cannot discuss destiny. Or at least if you discuss destiny without an assignment, you are short of God's expectation over your life. That is why the Bible has spoken of permissible will and perfect will. There are provisions and glories that follow the permissible will. And there are provisions and glories that follow the perfect will. It was not the will of God for Moses to die without seeing the promised land. You see what I'm saying? It wasn't the will of God. It was not the will of God. But out of anger, he lost that place with God. And it costed him greatly. He was still strong. But he says, but the Lord will not let me in. And so, Joshua as well, the young man who took over that responsibility, I believe scripture speaks of him as the servant of Moses. The Bible calls him Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of Moses. The Bible calls him the servant of Moses. He served Moses. He positioned himself to take over if the master messed up. And usually God does not go far from the obedient that are serving the anointing at that particular time. You see what I'm saying? Either God will position them to stand if this fellow falls, or like the Bible says, if you are faithful in another man's, God will give you your own. If he does not position them for that place, he will give them their own. But there's always going to be a provision for people who serve, who know how to serve. We have many Christians in the world who, you know, they just want to watch services to get a job, to get a husband, to get a car. They love the sermon only when it's addressing their marital issues or when it's touching their career. But in such things as we are speaking, it's not what they wanted to hear. But yet it's true because the gospel is 360. It's the whole gospel. So these things too, we must start. These things too, we must start. The Lord showed me something that really shook me to the core, that majority of the people in the world do not have a clue concerning their destiny. They do not have a clue at all. They just go step by step. Some stumble into destiny. Some keep guessing. Some are misdirected out of destiny. And from that misdirection, many things come. The wrong marriages, the wrong jobs, the wrong ministries, serving in the wrong offices, either spiritual or secular. They go off course. And these are good human beings. They're wonderful human beings. And 
somebody stuck, they are trying to do whatever they can, but there's something about them that is not moving. And they have questions, God, why aren't I prospering in this? Why aren't I prospering in that? Why isn't this happening? But sometimes it's not that they have a demonic attack from their uncles, demons, or their generational curses. Sometimes it's some of these things, their destiny is not calibrated. They are not in the way that they should go. It takes a certain grace to build yourself up, to align to the purposes of God. When you become a new creation, part of that liberty that I just spoke about has allowed you through revelation to connect to what is spoken concerning the new creation and make it yours and define a destiny out of that in that liberty because God has given a provision for even if I have given you, saith the Lord, all that I think was necessary and enough for you, if something can invite you to a higher place even more than what was given you originally, I have allowed you to pursue it. I've allowed you to pursue it. Let me give you an example. You read portions of scriptures like desire, the best gifts. God has given us the liberty to desire spiritual gifts. It's not wrong to desire a spiritual gift. Desire the best gifts. Desire the best gifts. The KJV says, honestly, desire or covet, honestly, the best gifts. And he says, and yet I show you a more excellent way, which is what? Which is love. And I'm going to come to that. The separation of lust from purpose is the revelation of love in the seeker. When a man is walking in the love of God, that man requires a thing from God only for the glorification of God because it is built and established in the love of the Father. Why am I asking? for a healing anointing. Is it selfish because your mother is suffering with cancer? Or does it carry the heart of the father that you carry compassion for the sick across the world? You understand? One time I worked for a palliative care institute, Hospice Uganda. My placement was there many years ago, of which I'm eternally grateful for. And so I used to see patients on a daily, on a daily. And people were dying and dying and dying and dying. And it consumed me. It consumed me. It consumed me. And I remember sometimes giving my transport and walking back home because I couldn't stand seeing a lady feeding on posho and beans in Mulago Hospital. And they're receiving chemotherapy. They're receiving anti-TB drugs and anti-retroviral drugs. And they have all these three diseases, HIV, TB, and cancer, and they're feeding on beans and posho. Sometimes you find yourself giving out all your money, and then you walk back home. And it's enough because you have the life that would walk back. But this woman, even poor feeding would kill her. If they are to drink, they only drink water. You see, we saw all manner of sicknesses. And I saw people die every day. Two or three times people died calling my name on their lips. You see? And I remember one of those days I returned back home. It was about 8.30. And I sat in a dark corner 
in the compound of my father. I was still living at home. And I wept. And I said, God, I desire to heal the sick. I desire to heal the sick. I was under a tree. And I prayed. And the Lord Jesus came where I was seated in tears. And then he said, I have anointed you to heal the sick. I remember that day very plainly. It was just a few days later after that experience that I saw my first cancer patient healed. Stage four reversed after everything medicine tried to do could not do. And I saw this woman heal within a few days. We laid hands on her at home with my mother. See? And I have seen many cancer people heal. Many. And I realized that God wants to, and he always wants to use his children if they understand his heart. The Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion and healed the sick. It is the compassion of the Father that wanted to heal the sick. It was not a show off. I've had ministers saying, I'm going to show off. Can I show? Why do you want a healing anointing? Some of you, it's only as personal as your husband is sick, your wife is sick, your daughter is sick, you are sick. If it was not on your body, you would not have desired it because you carry no conviction for the bigger picture and the heart of the Father concerning men. When you desire any gift, and it is built in the revelation and foundation of God's love, God will give it to you. God will give it to you. He has told us to desire the best gifts. Why would he put such a provision? Perhaps you were not originally anointed to heal the sick, but he says, but I can give it to you. This is the liberty I'm trying to talk about. This is the liberty I'm trying to talk about. Like gifts can be added unto you, assignments can be reassigned. You understand what I'm saying? Assignments can be reassigned. God is just looking for the state of a man's heart. God is just looking for a state of a man's heart. The Bible says that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Psalms 37 verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. If you will read the Hebrew translation for the word good, eh? in some versions, the word good there, they translate it as a strong man. The steps of a strong man are ordered by the Lord. That means for God to order your steps, there is a certain strength that he requires from you. He's not talking about physical strength. Hmm? He's not talking about physical strength. He's talking about spiritual strength strength to build yourself enough to be available to God to be used because God wants to use you skilled God wants to use you equipped God wants to use you experienced God wants to use you steady somebody shout hallelujah some of you you could create a life of, you know, being in the presence of God every Thursday, every Sunday, every week, you listen to the word. And maybe not a lot is moving on in your life. 
but you do not know that you are preparing yourself of some sort to a certain strength because when God wants to approve a man to stand in a certain assignment, in all these times, especially for the assignments where a weaker man lost, usually he will want to build a stronger one. Somebody shout hallelujah. Usually he will want to build a stronger man. Are we following? Now, this is hard to be understood by somebody who prays every night because they need a job. Who prays every night because they need a spouse? Who prays every night because they don't have fears? Who prays every night because their marriage is breaking and, you know, the man or woman frustrated them and then they found themselves seeking the Father, says that their marriage would heal. Oh, yes, God would heal your marriage. God would heal your career. God would restore your business or your ministry at that level. We're talking about people who have learned to be in the presence of God without any need and not that they have needs but that the heart of God and the fellowship of his presence is more important than anything they need. Not many of us have matured to the place of going before God without needs. I, as for one, I can testify before God that it doesn't matter how many needs are around me. Oh yes, we have sometimes certain things that we need to be fixed and ways that we need aligned. Spaces that we need filled. We too have those demands before God. But I have learned, and I learned this for many years. One day, my university days, in one of those moments of prayer, and the Lord appears to me, and he tells me, I want you. I want you. I know you have needs, you have desires, but I want you. I know you have dreams and you have aspirations, but I want you. Give me your heart. My son, the Bible says, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. Proverbs 23 verses 26. From that day, I could hardly go in the prince of God and pour out needs. It's hard for me. It doesn't matter what problem there is in the world. Every time I'm in the presence of God, I just find that the most intimate part of that is when these hearts agree. And I feel that connection with God where nothing in the world seems to matter. And these things disappear before my eyes. Not that in the physical world they have left, but because I have seen a higher place with him that makes these things not to matter at that particular point. And if I can live there for a day, I live there for a week. I live there for a year. I have learned that sometimes he captures your conscience to the place where when you had actually forgotten of the problem, when he had washed your conscience from that thought to the point where it's only him that you see, the day you are reminded to look back, it's actually no more. Yet it's not the reason why you went to him. You did not go to him that let me seek you so this would go. It's a very wrong order of the spirit. That then would mean that your means of worship are justifying a specific end to get an answer. And that also means he doesn't have your heart. 
So it's not something that happens in one day. It's something that you learn to exercise yourself. You learn to exercise yourself. You learn to exercise yourself. And over the years, it starts to catch on you. And every time you go before God, certain things start melting. Eh? You know the man who sang, turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful place and the things of the earth grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That was an experience. It's more than a song. It's more than a song. God is looking for a hungry person. Hungry for him. But not hungry as a means to get married. Not hungry as a means to get a car. Not hungry as a means to get a job. I can see, I have seen people weeping and they honestly, in their mind, they think they're actually seeking God because they're expressing themselves right before him. But when you see the heart behind, it's seeking something else. And out of his infinite grace and mercy, he could give it. And you could see how him boasting and say, oh, you know, I sought the Lord and this came. But many of them are cut short from what God could have done through them. The God dream. I've talked about that. The God dream. Somebody shout hallelujah. So the steps of a good man, the steps of an exercised man, the steps of a man who has learned to connect and build a fellowship and a life of fellowship with God, those steps are ordered of the Lord. When that ordering starts on your life, it's so amazing how you easily connect to what is written. It might not bear your name, but you'll connect to it. Because you see, when you read scripture, in the liberties of that foundation, God has expressed possibilities, provisions, and defined destinies, but generically in speech and thought. For example, they that believe, he says, shall lay hands on the sick and they shall be healed. It is spoken of them. But not everybody who believes sees the results of that promise. You see, they shall handle snakes and scorpions. They shall drink deadly poisonous things and those things shall not harm them. But they are Christians being poisoned. They are Christians who have been bitten by snakes and they've died. Or you might say, they don't believe. Yes, maybe they don't believe, but there are people who have understood that because it is written in the generic sense of God's thought, by this liberty, I can actually connect myself to that destiny. And out of that, in all the things God would do in my life, I would have a healing ministry. Who understood it? You see what I'm saying? It has been spoken of you. Bible says great things are spoken of thee, O Zion. So you look through scripture and see the things that are generically spoken over the church. And these are things you could, by wisdom and understanding, connect to through the spirit of prayer and make them yours. And these things can shape your destiny. There was a time the world had forgotten about the healing ministry of Jesus Christ. And in the 1930s or something about there, a great healing movement occurred in the United States of America. 
could be it was spoken of by a certain individual to start it by a certain prophet exclusively or it could be that a man availed himself but regardless we saw the healing anointing days extend even beyond people that had originally expected it to happen in their lives and they say in the healing revival days they got to a point where they would not clap for a lame man to walk they wouldn't clap it was expected <laughs> it was expected <laughs> you understand what i'm saying it's not that they did not honor god but it was happening everywhere it left one house and went through other houses too and many altars were lit in that time and because of that it became a whole movement began by it doesn't matter point is that many people caught that fire many people caught that fire so i want to believe that some of those who caught that fire were not originally in, in some arranged order of things but when they saw it they coveted it and god gave it because their hearts were tried and they were true you see what i'm saying so beyond what has been spoken of you individually there is that which god has availed in the air for a man who is mature and trained skilled prepared enough to walk into and if a man understands that liberty he can plug into that thing and god would put it on their lives oh yes whether it was originally spoken over them individually or they just avail themselves because generically god has declared it over the church and a man is able to believe god so when we talk about a good man in scripture we're not talking about a person who cares for his no 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 it's beyond that it's a man who has exercised themselves into spiritual strength ability and tenacity i was uh, reading recently in proverbs 2:20 i landed on the statement of what god calls the paths of the righteous proverbs 2 verses 20 he says that you may walk in the way of good men it's a way right that you may walk in the way of good men and keep the paths of the righteous they some call the paths of the righteous what are the paths of the righteous the paths of the righteous are men who are connected to divine purpose whose assignments are clearly defined and they live each day of their lives aligned as it was spoken of them in scripture or prophetically by an individual so i'm talking to the person who thinks oh me nothing has ever been spoken of me i come from a family that is not born again i've never had anything oh yes maybe nothing has ever been spoken of you by a certain individual but the bible says now you have the sure word of prophecy and it says for which you do good to heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arises in your heart so if no man prophesied it over your life the word of god has spoken it but can you go beyond just borrowing that line because you have a sick cousin do you understand what i'm saying can you go beyond borrowing that line because you have a sick cousin because some impartations are not even limited to what you've just received at that point they can even go higher and deeper something can be added on your life and the way of salvation is that certain things are added onto us i remember the day the lord spoke to me of the apostolic office i remember that day 
Are you hearing me? I remember that day. It was in my spirit, but it had never had a place of function. But I remember that day he pronounced it and said, from today you're going to walk in an apostolic authority. I remember that day. But before that, I was predominantly just prophetic and teaching. So the people who knew me in my earlier years, I just teach for 15 minutes and prophesy for three hours. That's what I knew. Two, three hours. That's what I knew. You see. But I've also observed a journey where things have been added. One day, and I'm not going to mention that man of God for respect and honor. One day I came in contact with one of the most remarkable anointings of our time. Well, to me, he is among the most remarkable anointings of our time. And the Lord had spoken to me to meet him about 12 or 13 years before. So I got his contact. But where he lived and how he lived was so hard to come in contact with him. So when I got his contact and the Lord told me, look for this person, I thought it was going to be immediate. So I get his contact through a friend and this is somebody who lives not in an easy place to reach. And so I said, let me try to reach out to this individual. And the Spirit of the Lord told me, don't wait. Now, in waiting, I thought maybe one year, it became two years, became three years, became four years, <laughs> became five years, until it clocked into 13 years. 13 years. And about that time, the Lord appeared to me and told me, now is the time. Look for that individual. So the moment I come in his presence, he looks at me and said, I have been waiting for you for so long. He said, I've been waiting for you for so long. He said, he told me, kneel down. And I knelt. And then he said, the Lord appeared to me this day. And then he mentioned everything the Lord spoke to him that appeared to him. And then after, he says, and he told me that you would come and that I would speak these things to be yours also, that it would be added on your ministry. But this, I just coveted the anointing on him. I did not know that one day there was something God was going to add on my life from that man's spirit. You see what I'm saying? And later on, I say, God, why 13 years? And he says, there was a certain strength that I needed to build in you before you received it. If you had gotten that strength early, I would have taken you to him early. There are graces that will come from men laying hands on us. Paul told Timothy, take heed of the prophecies that were spoken unto you when the elders spoke over you. He says there were prophecies that were spoken on thee. He says with them you will wage a good war. There are things that perhaps God knew that I needed to break through because a certain person spoke a word over my life and it would be pride not to honor it. You see what I'm saying? 
It is possible for a man to give you 30 years of his ministry through an impartation. It is possible for a man to give you 20 years of his ministry through an impartation. It's possible. But we're a generation that does not know how to own anointings. Let me tell you, the anointing on me is so old. So old. Many years old. I can't explain it. The anointing working on my life is so many years old. It is so ancient. It's so ancient. And I know it. And that's the truth. I'm not boasting. I'm testifying. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, when you understand the seriousness and gravity of these things, you understand why he tells you to trust in the Lord with all your heart and not to lean on your own understanding. Don't use your brain to walk the life of salvation. You will not manage. You have one life. You have one life. And with all the mistakes you could do in that one life, you need a certain place with God where certain things can be redeemed by calibrating you to the course of a certain destiny as revealed in scripture. Some of the destinies defined in the Bible are bigger than what God could put on one man exclusively. Who has understood it? Some of the anointings that are spoken of in scripture as assignments are bigger than what God could exclusively give one man. But if that man, if a man knows how to access them, <laughs> if a man knows how to access those graces or those assignments or those places in God, that man will have more than God would usually give a man exclusively. It doesn't mean he can't give it, but then God would usually give a man exclusively. He that is sent of God speaks the words of the Lord and God giveth him not or her not the spirit by measure. That is not exclusive. That is generic, but only for those who understand the place of that liberty and can avail themselves through exercising themselves a certain way. That is for people who can exercise themselves to that place. Do you know there is a place in scripture like God has spoken where a man can function in an anointing that you cannot measure? That is not given. That is not an exclusive anointing. God can't say that I raised an individual X and I gave him an anointing without measure. That is too deep to be given exclusively. But that's for available men. And he could have spoken something great over your life. But you could connect to this too. Because in some exclusivities, there are boundaries. Are you hearing me? But in this generic sense of liberty, God has said, he whom God, he didn't put a name, has sent. Were we sent by God? Yes, we are sent by God. Speaketh the words of God. Are we speaking the words of God? Yes, we are speaking the words of God. But we can all admit that not every minister sent by God, speaking the words of God, is functioning in an anointing beyond measure. But it is possible to connect to that anointing if you know how. So God has left certain things open. 
says that you're without excuse that, oh, you know me, I would have done this, but God did not call me the way he called that special man of God. Oh, God did not call me the way he called that special woman of God. Listen, a man died and only by chance his body was thrown on Elisha's body. It wasn't a plan. They didn't do it deliberately as though they thought that Elisha's bones would heal this man, but his body was thrown in Elisha's bones. Lo and behold, that man lived. So there are coincidences you will stumble on into concerning the spirit realm. And some of these things can define you and call you way beyond what you ever thought or imagined. God is the creator of eons. He makes the worlds. The Bible says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not brought by things which do appear. God frames eons, ages and periods in time. And God has the unique power and possibility available for a man to change certain things. God can change them for you if you know how to provoke him. God can change ages. God can change eons. God can even change his mind over a man's destiny. I give the example of Moses and Joshua. You will see that he changed his mind on Moses, but don't you see that he changed it too on Joshua? Yes. Joshua was given a mandate that was not originally his. So don't be limited on what you think you have or you're able to do. Understand that all God needs is for you to learn to build an inward strength of your spirit because God cannot and will not give you more than you are able to do if it is higher than what he usually gives men exclusively because it's priceless to God. It's priceless to God. It's priceless to God. The world thinks that they have seen, but only because they have not read the Bible well. Paul says, I has not seen. That's a word spoken. But only a man with a certain understanding can connect to that anointing. What eye has not seen? That's an assignment. What ear has not heard? What has not entered into the hearts of man? That is that which the Lord has prepared for them that love him, but he hath revealed it unto us by his spirit. Yeah, for the spirit of God such as the deep things and the amplified version says, sounding out the bottomless things of God. But why do we lose the voices of these messages? Because they came as sounds and not spoken words. The amplified says, sounding the bottomless things of God. And some of these sounds, because they did not come in the voices we understood, they were not meant for our mind, they were meant for our spirits. But only if we are able to understand them, if we have positioned ourselves to a place where we can hear the sound we should hear, then only and only are we able to connect to some of these things. I have realized that whether exclusively called or not, anybody in the New Testament dispensation is able to do something that has never been seen or read about on any man in scripture. When I saw that, I asked God, give me something 
I asked it and I still do. And I said, God, give me something that no man has ever taught. Give me a vision like no man has ever seen. Give me a worship like no man has ever done. And I'm not comparing myself with anybody because it's available for any man who is able to connect to this liberty. And I'm trying to invite some of you into that space of what I has not seen. Because it's already a revelation for the new birth. He has revealed it unto us by his spirit. But it is not stirred because we don't apply wisdom. Revelation is not available for you to apply it. There are many people right now watching me and listening to me. They love the words I'm speaking, but they don't understand what I'm saying. Why? Because something in them has been dead for a long time. They live very predictable lives. And they've come to terms with those lives. They are okay being good husbands and good mothers and raising good children and going to heaven, that's all. They don't believe that there's something big for them out there. They don't believe that God can do bigger. And yet God is able to do exceedingly, you see, again in the liberties of destiny, abundantly above that which we dare to ask or think according to to the working power that worketh in us. Something in there. That is why when you understand such a great mystery, you learn to live from within. 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 Even in the smallest things, God becomes a very deep reality. There was a time I used to... <laughs> find encounters so interesting because they were rare and in my thoughts I accepted that that is supposed to be the life he comes when he wants to he comes when he doesn't want to and one day the Lord told me but see how I related with Moses man he held me face to face. This man would see me constantly for 40 days. Constantly. Constantly. Every day of his life, he's just beholding me. And we're celebrating encounters. He says, no, you've read the scriptures. When I speak to prophets, I speak to them through visions and dreams, but that's not how I speak to Moses. So I, I realized there was a higher place of relating with God. He was more than the vision of the night. It was more than the dark speech. The Bible says the very similitude of the Lord shall he behold. So I saw a man who would not wait for a vision for God to communicate to him, no sleep to dream for God to send something. This man beheld God continuously. He was ever present before him. Wow. So I exercised myself in the liberty of that thought. And every other day I'm drawing close to something that I can't explain to people to understand, but I see God present before me more consistently on a daily. That now I understand beyond the encounters, he wanted to be present. He says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask whatsoever you will, and it shall be given. Have you read the Greek translation of the word abiding? Present. If you stay present to me, and my words stay 
present to you. You shall ask whatsoever you will. The issue was we were not present to God. We were not present to God. Neither were his words constantly present to us. When you are in that place, whatever you will. And see, when I exercise myself, I see that most of the prayers I make are answered. And I am growing there every day. But I can tell you that I'm already seeing so much. So much. I've looked at my life individually. And do you know looking at a list and there's nothing you have asked yet and it's not done for you? You see what I'm saying? So you get the confidence that even that which I have not seen yet with my eyes, I'm sure it is done because I've proved him in certain places. There are things I know that God cannot, he cannot I don't know which word to use. The things God cannot waste time over when I'm talking to him. There are certain things concerning me that I know God cannot waste time over. But it's a journey. And like I told you, I'm growing. And as I'm teaching, I want to invite somebody to that place so you not only appreciate it, but understand that as these things come together in the integrity of God's word and the promises given to us and many of these things we are touching ourselves and connecting not only what was spoken of us or exclusively on a prophetic tongue but also that which was spoken or written for us in scripture because actually that which is in scripture is way bigger than what God can give a man exclusively. Hello? And I keep to this. But as you continue keeping to that, you're strengthened. You're building a certain tenacity in the spirit. Eh? You're walking in the ways of good men. You are walking the paths of the righteous. You start to see God leading every step of your way. And as he continues leading every step of your way, men can see that you have a destiny. They can see it chisel out. They can see it shape out. They can see this fellow, this woman is going somewhere. There's something about him. There's something about her. And many of these things, now I understand why the Bible says, for all things work together for the good, for them that love God, and to them who are called according to his purposes. Assignment. Somebody shout hallelujah. So this is the kind of prayer you'd pray. God Whatever has been spoken of me in scripture or otherwise exclusively by some prophetic word, whether it was given to me without note, probably I didn't take it, I didn't understand it, or it was given to my mother, or it was prophesied by some evangelist who came and maybe he spoke about me and I never knew. As I connect to that, I also want to connect to that which you have availed through your liberties by reason of understanding. And I know the price is the strength I build in availing myself to you and preparing myself for the work that you have called for your chosen ones, not called. And if 
It may be that you'll answer me tonight on which I know you hear my prayer, Lord. Do all that is necessary to prepare me for that which you give men in the liberties of your liberality. Who has understood that prayer? Raise your voice and speak to God. Now, translate that and talk to God. Come on, pray. 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 Strengthen us, Lord. Paul says, I pray that you may be strengthened in your inner man through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. Through the Holy Spirit. Paul calls those the riches of God's glory. To be strengthened in your spirit. In the spirit of your inner man. In the spirit of your inner man. And he prays that may Christ dwell in your hearts by faith. Because of that. And that you being rooted and grounded in love. You may be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth? What is the length? What is the depth? What is the height of God's love? And he says that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourself the love of Christ which surpasses mere knowledge without experience and that you may be filled through your whole being and to all the fullness of God that you may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Shora bade gozande bade kate. Soro boro dogo bredege zegete. Roporo de ganzengo zigabadeka. Ore bade go shita rabaladega. Ropra de gozana baladega sunda. Come on, let's pray. Rinda gozobodogosa. God prepare us. Prepare us. Shara de bagade sobaladega. Ore barigo shara balala. Quiet, let's sing. You take me. You mold me. You I gave my life to the poor's head. You call me, you guide me, you lead me, you walk beside me. Cause I gave. Hey. 
the choir. You take me. Come on, spray. Come on, tell him you take me, Lord. Zo papara de gazomando borodogo shira paradega o madega de gozara balalega zokoto porodo father we thank you father we glorify you zambara tere borodogo zante paradega prodogo zodo radege zere baradego prodogo zoro baradega shumba sata paratara baradega zegete robara de gozanda baradego prodogo zere parade Zoro porodogo zendere porodogo zoro porodogo rataba deke zende porodogo zebaradega zoporodogo zara paradeke zendere porodogo rande bozogo to porodogo rabadega ta zoparadega zagata paradega zara paradego zonde zoporodogo porodogo zogo to porodogo roborodo redego zanda paradege porodogo zonde paradega zede ropanda gazagate ne porodogo sira paradega te. So porodogo zendere baradege prodogo zande so paradaga zagata paradego rato modogo zanta paradegete samarate porodogo zondo porodogo bradagata rate porozogo dogo zende paradegere pa zanta kashakata paratara baradi robadaga zondara baladi connect to it masande kosira baradi connect to it mashoro porodogo zo rapande kose baradega paradega Robando Zogoto Porodogo Zante, Roba de Gazonte Porodogo Zara Balade, Robo Gozira Maradegonda, Zira Baradego Ramandego Sakaralabago Sante, So Porodogo Zoporodogo Pradega Zagatere Baradi, Robo Gozoporoboko Zante Paradego Zara Baradi, Roprodogo Zara Baradega Prodogo Zando Bozodo, Zepoto Coroborodogo Prodogo Zoko Baradi, So Porodogo Zanda Gozeketa. Paradega, Robo Gozo Kondo Borodogo Pradegazete, Zopanegazikata Paradegaze, Ropra de Gozara Baradegoza Modogoze, Rima de Gosapatala Paradegazonde. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. 
Father, we glorify your name. I pray for the sick that you may be healed. I pray for the bound that you may be free. I pray for the struggling and striving things in your life. I decree that they cease tonight. I thank God because you are getting your answer right now in the mighty name of Jesus. But above all, my heart's declaration for you is that may you be aligned in your destiny and some of you realigned. May you be calibrated in your destiny. May God connect you to the ways of good men, to the paths of the righteous, that your steps will be ordered and that you live every day led and defined by God's purposes in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. If you have never given your life to Christ, I want you to do it now. God invites you to that place of salvation. He shed his blood for you. The Bible says there's no name given among men wherewith men must be saved but the name of Jesus Christ. There's no salvation in any other name. The Bible says at the sound of that name, every knee bows and every tongue confesses the things in the earth, under earth and in heaven, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. He shed his blood for you that you might live. And I feel in my heart that somebody is being invited tonight through this broadcast. It's the only way you can redeem your destiny by receiving his lordship. And I know you're ready. I know you're ready. Just repeat this verse after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you shed your blood for my sins. You were raised for my glory. Tonight, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I'm born again. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.